Hi there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the No Small Stories podcast. This episode, Shane and I are able to sit down with Michael Beard. Michael is a screenwriter and his spec scripts have been internationally recognized at film festivals. And he's also a member of the Indie Film Caucus, a part of the Writers Guild of America. And I think we have a really interesting conversation. We touch on a lot of different topics about writing and creativity. I do hope you enjoy. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us again for another episode of the No Small Stories podcast. I am your host, Haley, here with my co-host, Shane, and we are joined by Michael Beard today. Michael is a screenwriter whose spec scripts have been recognized by film festivals across the world. In 2022, he has officially became a member of the Indie Film Caucus, which is an imprint under the Writers Guild of America, which Shane and I as writers would absolutely love to hear more about. So hello, Michael. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. We are so happy to talk to you. So I, I know that we would want to probably start with uh, the project that's foremost in your mind, the one you're working on, your Moonwalked mm-hmm. script, which is focused on Michael Jackson. So can we yeah. start with why why Michael Jackson as a subject matter? <clears throat> um. Well, yeah, thank you for having me. And that's, um. yeah, it's a, a question I have had to kind of figure out myself, you know, sometimes you don't figure exactly out, figure out the intention until it's done. Right. But I knew I wanted to tell a story, a very quiet and restrained story about American excess and American wealth. Um, but I didn't want to do, as we mentioned earlier, off camera or mm-hmm. whatever, however you want to call it, um, the highlight reel mm-hmm. and all the, ba- all the greatest hits. I wanted to ignore that and not like I could do it anyway without any, estate uh licensing agreement you know mm-hmm. but um so yeah and then I found myself how do I tell this story in a way that really resonates and then I figured well I just you know sometimes it strikes like lightning you can't really put a finger on why you get the idea that you do but I was like mm-hmm. Michael Jackson and then I was like oh that's perfect because he is the you don't have to he's as famous as Jesus Christ you know and at least that's- in this I that mean, is, it's, a, it's a very true thing, isn't it? If you go the world over, people are going to know. Certainly one of the most famous people to ever exist. And I figured, well, that could be something. And then, uh, yeah. So, and then it took me about four months, a lot of research, a lot of interviews, a lot of people telling me, stop calling me. So you were actually uh, doing it engaging in research and interviews with people to get um i guess the the sorry pause for a second because i think i can hear my dog a dog barking okay can anyone else hear that if we can't we will move forward i mean it's not just don't let it happen again no i'm kidding yeah right (laughs) i'm sorry sorry Uh, no Uh, you're fine all right how am i doing how is it is it coming along all right you're great don't even yes okay don't even don't overthink it you're doing great all right so the the research element the mm-hmm. um like who who are who are you finding and how are you finding these people to talk to to get the the real story i guess you would say so you know sorry about that <clears throat> be that guy no <laughs> um, you got to stay hydrated in this world sure in this in the digital age that we live in um you can find anything if you dig hard enough i guess if um so i knew uh conrad murray and i read his book this is it which is a really insane title to have because that was the name of Michael's last tour that 
was never completed because he died or never started. It was three months away. He died in June or no, it was one month away. Excuse me. Um, and then his title was This Is It, the story of our relationship and whatnot. So we did a little spin on it. And you have to take it with a grain of salt. But, um, <clears throat> you know, you read his book. I get some names. I look them up, get some names, find contact information, reach out. Um, you know, working in in a little, the independent or in entertainment, let's just for the sake of argument, you have people who, people know, every, everyone knows everybody yeah. <clears throat> to a certain extent. Also, I was very sick about a week ago, still kind of getting over it. And I need to stop smoking. But um, yeah. So it's, you know I, what? When you're a writer, though, I feel like that this, you know, coffee yeah. and a cigarette sort of comes along mm-hmm. with the territory. Yeah. I, I do the like, whole smoke pipes, whiskey, bourbon. That's- yeah, I'm like, and I'm that's- dressed like, and I'm dressed like Truman Capote too. <laughs> you know what I mean with the cigarettes? That's what he what he sounds like. But anyway, yeah, and then I just um, found anything I could, and I didn't. I don't believe anybody, but I I listen if that makes sense. That's right. You know, so that's why if you. Um, you're not here to take sides, right? It's it's a nah, pre- presentation not- of information in a creative way right and i knew and one thing i want to like on record um point out is that i never did it with the intention of an expose or uh the intention of a um stir up controversy you know because that's what this one critic said that it was whatever but i feel like it's done in a very respectful and uh elegant manner because it is very and i love this type you know ob- observational cinema is what they call it right okay. it's when it's um the care or the camera is essentially a fly on the wall and we're we're just living with these characters right so and it's i've um always wanted to do something like that but you have to work your way up you know creatively yep. and artistically and then i felt like i was at a place where i could do it so you'll notice in moonwalk there is no real driving uh conflict Mm-hmm. There is no real reason, uh, or you know, what do they call it? What's the fucking uh, film? Well, story? there's not necessarily, um, you know, uh, you don't an overarching like theme that you're going for. You're just you are presenting information. It's almost a not a docudrama necessarily. It, but... it goes for yeah. We well, you know they say the MacGuffin. You ever hear that term? Yeah. Yep. That's Alfred Hitchcock. Nothing... Yep. Yes, right. There's I don't there's none of that. And there there all the themes are certainly present of the of greed, of excess. And for an example, and this I made sure this I really went extra length to uh, achieve this. But every single relationship in the film with all the different characters is transactional. One way or another, it is on payroll. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no not a single relationship in the film that is um, pure, yeah. except for Michael and his daughter. Uh, Paris Jackson, who, um, yeah, I don't want to name drop too much, but uh, so yeah, you know, I tried to, I tried to <clears throat> express things through uh, things like that, yeah. <clears throat> and you know, instead of like big monologues of characters freaking out, there's yeah. just like little looks that right. sit that, but with the context of of um, you know, the scene itself, and plus, it was easier to finally tell a story in an observational sense because it's Michael Jackson, because people actually care. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just a Michael Beard script. It's a script about Michael Jackson. So yeah. right there, it was, 
and I have never, and if you, if you are a screenwriter watching this, it's, I'm not bragging. I'm just being honest. I have never, this is the most interest I ever had in a, in a, anything I ever wrote. And I would, I had to sign release forms. Yeah. You know how it is. You got to sign so many different things for mm -hmm. anything. And I, I was signing release forms, NDAs for an unfinished draft. That's what it, that's why I merged into true story adaptations because yeah. there's built in marketing without even having a, a poster, right. you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the fact that it is Michael Jackson, I trust the audience to have some knowledge of what the deal is here, you know? So right. it's not just like some character I invented. Then it would be like, why am I watching this? <laughs> right. So, so do you right. at all, um, I mean, obviously there's controversy surrounding Michael Jackson and his legacy, right? So mm -hmm. uh, is that a, anything that you address or um, or how would you address it, I guess, is maybe a better question. Yeah, well, you know, that's another thing that the um, responses are very different, the critical responses, because they are, um, I've gotten things that it's kind of, for an example, I'll name a scene. There's a little scene in the home theater at the Holmby Hills mansion. Michael and Conrad are in the front row eating candy and drinking soda. And they're watching home videos like projected on film from Jackson 5 rehearsals, right? Okay. And it's not said, but you can see on the screen. And if you know enough, if you know the Michael Jackson history, you know Jackson 5. Mm -hmm. And running all crazy throughout the theater, pegging candy at each other in the top rows is like a group of five little boys. And they're just having fun. And then uh, Brother Max uh, comes in and they discuss some things. And then he says, take the boys home. And then Brother Max is like, all right. And then that's it. So it's not saying anything. It's not showing anything. They're boys hanging out in a, in a home theater. But with context, it's like, that's a little weird. You mm -hmm. know, where are the parents? Right. You know? And um, so things like that, where I really tried to pull off a sense of uh, ambiguous fear, like creepy in a way. Yeah. I guess like that's does that sound not, cool to you? That well, sound not like not outright. Um, again, not outright choosing a side and not outright mm. saying this or I'm that. Just what happened? Just I'm right. Just, just presenting. Right. Here's an element of what you would have seen, and and allowing the audience to choose for themselves how they feel it about it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Clip that. And I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna pitch it around town with that. There you go. Absolutely. And and please do tell everyone where you got your PR assistance from. And if anyone's looking for someone who uh, is good with yeah. ideas and framing them, please do send them my way. Yeah. <laughs> if I, got, I can yeah, plug myself. That's and you never know who. That's why I get like, you know, when y'all were growing up, I know you're a poet. Right. And I wanted mm -hmm. to ask you some of your inspirations were. But you're film school, both artists. And I know we all have watched interviews growing up of our favorite artists. And when they were asked how they got their foot in the door or whatever, they never gave a straight answer, right? And didn't it used to seem annoying? Like they're just trying to keep the mystique. Yeah. When in reality, there is not even close to a straight way of getting it. No. There is not, it's, it, it can happen a billion different ways. Right. And within, and that's, so how do y'all feel about that? Like, do you? I think that, you know, even in my own life for, for, you know, not that I've gotten my foot into any big doors yet that I'm, I got a little feet, but I'm trying, I'm working on it. Yeah. But I really I mean, do think that dominoes, you can look back on your life and see the dominoes that fell once, once they fall, but 
you can't yes. necessarily see how they were lined up for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there is a certain amount, I think, of having to trust that following the things that really light you up will just you're going to find your way and happen your way into the right person, the right situation, the right you're going to rendezvous with the right thing that you're supposed to rendezvous with if right. you are in a space of being open to it because you're doing what you're passionate about. And, and yeah. it's it's more the energy and the mindset than it is an action that you can specifically take to get to where you want to be, I think. Yeah. If you really can't go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say just uh, same thing as, as Haley, just like as much as um, as much as you want to marry the two things that like, you know, right. I love doing this and this is what's going to make me successful or this is what's going to make me money. Or this is, you know, what I can do, you know, th that maybe comes later, but at the same time, it's like, okay, if this is what you love, or if this is a passion, or if this is a hobby that you can't give up, keep doing it, keep doing it in the meantime, keep doing it whenever you have the chance to like all these things and doors will open up for it eventually. I, I think it's, it's tough. We, we try to, to rush it or we, we are impatient about it, which it's, you know, I'm, I'm in the same boat where it's like, why can I not make these two things, you know, <laughs> Mm -hmm. reconcile why can't this thing make me money i feel like i'm good at it i feel like i enjoy it i feel like other people should read it um but you know especially now there's yeah, a million different avenues uh like you said where um you know you by degrees of influence right you're just you're, you're talking to this person you're sharing it with this person but that all comes down to doing the little things every day making the conversations talking to a person about it being continuing to be excited about what you do just for the simple fact that you like to do it you know once it right. becomes something where it's like hey you should read this look at it give me feedback um because it's you know it's it's a professional it's a you know i need i need i need some critique on it because it's gonna make me money someday no it's like it's what i enjoy doing i, I like sharing with people because it's what mm -hmm. i feel like I, I should be doing and, and eventually that will open it up doors on its own and you know you can right. sort of push it or not you know i mean there's there's things that you can do to to, to speed it up or whatever but right i it's been hard for me to like really calm myself down to just do that every day where it's like, okay, I just enjoy doing it. And I just have to continue to do it until mm -hmm. things happen where I can take some direction. So. Right. So if you, if you actually like, you have to really give a damn, you know, yeah. like you, and I believe at least in my experience, like it, it cannot be. And, you know, I like Ty West, one of my biggest influences when I was younger, he had a, his same day job when he made his first three films you know, like it's so the idea of um, I just want to be a get that do it full time. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Screenwriter, at least you can have it full time for two the two month assignment that you get. Mm -hmm. And right. then when you turn that in, now you're unemployed. Yeah. You know, And then so it's a constant like it's exhausting and it's the same thing for anything in entertainment. It's all freelance, you know, okay. and y'all. Yeah. And it's I think sometimes I don't know. How do y'all feel about like the, because I, I feel like I've seen a lot uh, come and go due to the, how do I say this? The the kind of fear that uh, the financial inconsistency, the looming prospect of that can instill, you know, because you can't, you don't, you're not going to get being paid every two weeks, right. you know, you have to, how do y'all well, feel? I think some of that again is the. And it's an interesting time that we live in, isn't it? Because we do live in a space where there is so much opportunity, so many platforms, so many options for freelance work, for doing things on the side for, you know, call it side hustles, whatever you want. 
But I, I think really where we're coming to as a culture, as a society is for many of us, the requirement of income for stability of your survival is no longer sustainable as a state of being for most people. Right. And so we are shifting ourselves into this, you know, where there's a lot of growing pains, obviously. Right. But like, I think that we're finally recognizing that it's it's not enough for things to be transactional like when you you know and i think that's interesting when you're talking about your script all the relationships are transactional and it is sort of like an encapsulation of this is how creativity and this is is it has previously been treated or viewed you right. know it is a cash cow mm -hmm. and whatever whatever things might surround the person who's making that cash whether it's good or bad we don't really care we don't really care what that person is experiencing emotionally or physically. Right. We're just trying to put out a product. That person is a product. Yeah. Right. And oil well, you just exhaust it and then you move on to the next one. And that's and that's right. For my script, that's where we, we begin the film when it's, it's been exhausted. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's a real cheer and pick me up. Yeah. <laughs> but um, well, anyway, but it's on. valuable, I think, in the sense, again, of we are aware that this picture of that transactional nature of creativity what it becomes it becomes yeah. something ugly yeah. and and what i think a lot of us now are are trying to do is to just find that space and that energy of kind of like shane was saying doing a creative thing for its own sake mm -hmm. creating something for its own sake not right. because it's something that is going to buy your next meal, not because it's something mm -hmm. that's going to be the next big thing that Pepsi's going to have on a commercial or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. But for the sake of that in the moment is your joyous state of being and to create and put that out there. That is the highest level of human activity that, you know, right. I think like that is that's the most pure form of of our humanity is the thing that you create out of love and out of passion. And yeah. I think a lot of people are really starting to. To, to want to have more of that and less of the seeing it as just a product that is a fad, mm -hmm. that is a trend, and that will be replaced by, you know, the the constant inundation we have. The next trend, right. right. I miss it so much, dude. I miss that time when it was, because I won't lie to you, like, I kind of, like, hate doing it these days, you know, because it's not, I, I kind of had its soul taken away when I, but I knew what I was signing up for. So, mm -hmm. but, like, you know, the first two, things I put out, it was like, cool. And then, you know, you do it out of pure desire, out of pure kind of, um, uh, you feel like it, you have something to say. And then you start getting, you know, you then you spend six months on something and then they say, all right, but make it cheaper. Yeah. And right. then what, what that means is remove sets, remove character. That's the yeah. only notes they ever give. And then they will, you know, you'll, you'll have, there'll be some interest in something like Moonwalk. Priscilla underperforms and then they never hit you back. Right. You know, because Priscilla is the, kind of the same vein. And it's it's really frustrating when you really pour your heart into something and then it comes down to the opening weekend of something else determines whether you even get a meeting, you know, yeah. and it's um, but I still do love it because I don't know anything else. So I don't not that I hate it, but it's like. It's equally the it's the reason I get up every morning, it's all that. You, we've heard about before but it's also like my hair's falling out you know <laughs> not really but it's like the root of all my problems too but it's 
it's a dance that I love to have and I wouldn't, you know, so. Well, yeah. and I think so again, some of it is the mindset, right. And to see it as a dance and to see, mm -hmm. you know, not to see the roller coaster as something that is upsetting necessarily, but that, you know, it's kind of all a little bit of give and take. I think right. that's probably helpful for you to keep going to some degree. Yeah. Right. right. But all I do. <laughs> it, uh, great. It's all part of the ride. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, I do think, though, and Shane and I have talked about this before with other guests too. sort of the idea that now that you have the Internet and so many people have access to create things on their own, mm -hmm. the the kind of gatekeeping, I guess you could say, that you see in the entertainment business in terms of like there being people who have a say in who gets seen. Yeah. Well, it's not necessarily true anymore, right? There, mm -hmm. there are plenty of opportunities and places where you can be seen and, and generate an audience of your own. Right. And then you cannot be ignored by those who were the gatekeepers. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's still barriers. I mean, there always will be, and there's always going to be the algorithms and everything like that. But uh, I'm excited to see, and again, with growing pains, like, like Haley said, uh, there is a bit, I think of, of an awakening in a way where, you know, and, and beyond budgeting and wage, that's its whole separate shitty issue where it's like, mm. people just don't make enough to be able to live off anymore. And people can't budget for tomorrow because it's just, you can't save. Like, it's just nearly impossible for, for a lot of, for a lot of jobs that way. Um, but, you know, what COVID and some other things like definitely taught us was that like, we do have to look for a new way of, 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 of selling our time. Right. Because, a lot of us, I think, want to be creative. And as much as it hurts to be transactional about the things that we do, I would much rather get paid for what I can, for what I individually can produce, can do, can creatively make. Yeah. I would much rather be paid or compensated for that instead of just being like a waste of space at a job where it's like, I just have to be there for five or six hours, regardless of what I could do, you know, elsewhere with that time. Like, I just have to be there. Like, it just sucks that you have to be present at a job that you can't do anything else other than just like stand there. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are, are starting to understand where it's like, that is just such a, it's a lot of time to dig right. it away for not producing anything, not bettering, not cultivating anything on your right. own. Um, and, you know, even though you might have to work a little bit harder, even though it's a bit more stressful to create something and then bring it to market. Um, normally it's a lot more fulfilling and rewarding that way. Uh, Absolutely. And so I think a lot of people are, are trying to, you know, we've talked about AI too before, Haley. Where it's I like, was just, I was absolutely thinking yeah. about AI. Create the robots who do all the mundane jobs for us. Exactly. And I, again, I know everyone thinks like, well, then there's, you know, lack of income for other people. Do you really right. want that income? Was it really fulfilling? And and don't we need to start asking ourselves that as individuals and as a society that don't, wouldn't we rather have, wouldn't you rather have a populace of fulfilled, happy people? Yeah than to have a populace of people who are just going through the motions for the sake of being able to pay the bills, being able to, to survive. Right. They, they And it's crazy, 30 years ago, or more than 30 years ago, but it's still in that in the end of the 20th century, people would have called you a communist for saying that. Well, yeah, just, I mean, on the same and um, same vein with like AI, Haley, and you could jump into it just, but the point that I want to make is that normally, I think why, AI right now is just such a scary thing for most people is that normally there's a little bit of a ladder or a little bit of like an infrastructure that, you know, tags along with technology to where it's like, okay, all right, we progress, we evolved to this point where it's like, all right, so technology takes over this part. And then we as ourselves start doing more of 
you know, higher, higher level stuff. Right. And normally it kind of works out that way. Right. It's kind of like this all the way up. Right. But now we're like to like this point where like AI and like most general people like are doing kind of the same stuff. And there's no ladder to be like, you know, and corporations or, you know, the, the big guys want to just get, just cut the labor out, just cut, you know, like make it cheaper, more profit. Right. If I can replace you with something else, like I will, but I'm not going to show you like, I'm not going to give you another job that you could do better as a human because you have a brain and you could do higher functions. I'm just going to fire you and then yeah. not, not worry about what you need to do. But normally there's, there really should be like a ladder or like a, a line, mm-hmm. you know, that's maybe what creatives kind of need to show where it's like, okay, AI could do all these things now. So now we at least hopefully should have the time or at least the, the opportunity to do all these other higher things, but right. we can't when we're still trying to work for, you know, our daily bread. And so that's, mm-hmm. I, I think that's where the, the AI, I think that's why, at least for me, why I was so scared of it at first where it's like, See, but I'm excited by that. I'm excited by the idea that it's all happening in real time because and I'm going to I'm going to steal a little quote from my brother, John. He says, if you think long, you think wrong. And I think to some degree, the latter element of it gives us space to think too hard, too much to make too many, you know, regulations about this or that and to make mistakes in that way. When things are Mm -hmm. happening in real time and you can't really think about it and you look at the things that are going on with AI, you know, artists that are, you know, suing over copyright issues, all these things. It's going to like the way that things are moving is going to be far too fast for any kind of regulations to keep up. Right. And so it, it means that the structures that we have in place currently cannot sustain based on how quickly we're evolving. So a new structure needs to be created which is what really excites me because I think of, you know, younger generations coming in who were born with the internet and who, who just exist in this space where things rapidly change. What will they create that would replace these structures of society that we're talking about right now? You know, these things that we're having conversations about in terms of, you know, survival mode versus thrive mode. Mm -hmm. Those are not. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just think, you know, the younger generations coming up, they're going to uh, expect and assume thrive mode to be what is the natural thing that we should all have. And so I'm excited to see what they create based on that, that new sort of belief or that instilled sentiment that that they were just born with because they were born into this world. They didn't see it create itself. This is what the world is to them. You know, I think when he, when specifically when you did the measurement with your hands, it it made me it's the way lines between reality and and media and and what it have it's gotten so blurred you know mm-hmm. like it's no longer just a um the internet yeah. is reality now it's not like you can just post some crazy facebook status and it's it's not that. like you you can lose a job over it right right and um facebook gotta just make myself sound old you can't just <laughs> go on you can't go on my space and just yeah, right, yeah, right? but what and what you said about the I have said for like the last 10 years um, after I remember the conversation I was having this weird, sketchy living room, but I believe the technology moved too fast for our own good in the last like 15 years. I don't think we were ready man. because you look at these devices, these smartphones and what they are capable of. And then you look at what we use them for, man. And like, it's kind of just really argue online. And I feel like they could be, I don't know. I just, I, I worry a bit. I think I'm just naturally a bit not I don't like the word cynical because that makes me that sounds when I think of cynics, I think of people who are curmudgeons. Right. Yeah, sure. But yeah. I think it's just I have a bit more. And not to bring it back to you read, especially with Meanwhile, they're all about America. That's the theme for all of them. 
and moonwalk there's the blatant symbolism and i just feel i have a little i i feel like i have reason to be pessimistic about the way the government will 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 get the hands on things you know because we yeah. it, we we need them and they don't really need us yeah. No, see, here's here's again, though. This is where I I'm, I like to do the little I flip it to my toxic yeah, positivity. You're in good company because no, I, I, I have this with <laughs> I have this with Haley every single time I'll bring up the bad and she'll be like, yeah, but have you looked at it like this? And like, well, yeah, no, really, again, it's because here's the thing. There is no good or bad. Right. Like that mm-hmm. is the, the inherent nature of reality is that it's subjective to every individual. Yeah. And like life has only the meaning that you assign to it. Right. And so when we, you know, again, and we talked about this off camera before, I really do think it is a matter of we in our generation have been conditioned by practice and by the things that are practiced in the media and the culture around us to mm-hmm. focus on what is not working, focus on the problem, focus on the anxiety right. of a situation rather than to look at opportunities, look at possibilities, focus on the positive, focus on their, you mm-hmm. know, just just an energy of good being available. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, yeah. we have to practice that. I don't, I don't think that I don't think anyone should like blame themselves for that. I think that we just need to recognize, well, we are all, we're all humans. And so we all have this need to connect and this need to be a part of the, the, the greater whole, right? Because we recognize ourselves as, as a piece of it. And again, as much as I understand what you're saying in terms of technology, we may not have been ready for how quickly it advanced, Mm -hmm. but again, when you think of kids who are growing up right now, who this is all they've known, they didn't need to be ready, get ready, become ready. They're born into it. They are ready to see what it can do to see, to take it to the next level, to take it to the next level in a way that Mm -hmm. can be harmonious and beneficial to everyone. And I think if we just like leave more openness and more space for that to be created and, and have that just right. Just being open to the new possibilities. I think more things come into your experience that look more right. what you would consider I, to be positive. I worry about the attention span. And then because, you know, like TikTok and whatnot is very big right now. And I just I don't know, man. I just worry. Yeah. Just because. Like, but also I don't worry because I use every single moment of my life for I will put it into a, something somehow. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I just sit back and watch. And then right. I try to, that's why I only do period pieces because I like to let time pass and I hate seeing a cell phone on screen. It's about escapism. A cell phone yep. yanks you out. You got one in mm-hmm. your pocket. Oh, sure. And I like to, um, anyway, sorry. But uh, yeah, I just think you got to let time do its thing before we can. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's just that, that everything is on display now and everything is, everyone's opinion can be it's just they're screaming into the black hole of the internet, this void. And it's, I feel like it just makes people, I don't want to get dark on you for a minute, but the last, for the Go first ahead. 20 years, or, or no, the, it was about 20 years ago, um, till now, the suicide rate has gone up, obesity gone up, uh, in like social interaction, all of these things. Like, you know, the, the graph that like has charts, uh, human, yep. not behavior, but human altogether like societal interaction i guess you could say i don't think it's it's a coincidence that all of these things after a very like century worth of study Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, has steeped with when this technology was introduced. I yep. think it is. I don't see. I think, again, what the issue is, is that it when I say is... technology. Let me just clarify. I mean, like social media and smartphones, specifically, tablets and all that. I right. don't mean that's but what the, I mean. the interconnectivity that we now have, I think, is the. It's that juxtaposition that we needed. We needed that contrast. We needed that big like shift in technology and the the capacity to access so much information and so much of what everyone is doing mm. so that we could look at it and recognize that the old systems where everyone, you know, was everyone really happy in all of those little things or were we just going through the motions and saying we were happy because we expected that that was what was supposed to be heard. Right. right. How many people were really being honest about that? And how many, you know, if you if you look at, you know, think baby boomer generation, how right. many of them wanted to cash in their chips, but didn't out of obligation? How right. many of them wanted to say, I'm depressed, I'm anxious and, and mm-hmm. but but lied about it. So right. it is it a case of technology has come up and, and suddenly people have become anxious? Or is it a case that these things have come up and now we have started looking at ourselves and saying, Oh, maybe we weren't really happy. Oh, maybe we haven't really been allowing all or each of us individually to follow our passions and our highest joy. Yeah. And maybe that is the thing that everyone's supposed to be doing. And we don't know how to do it because we're so conditioned and used to following the system and the and the routine and the this is what is expected of you right. that everyone is now recognizing the things that are expected of the system didn't work. I mean, think about your own parents, right? It didn't work for them any more than it's working for us. They just put their head down and dealt with it because that's yeah. what they were told to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so thing, it's, yeah. And I wonder though if social media and whatnot is the best tool to look inward because it's all about how how good everything looks. You're never going to see someone's page where it's like, damn. Uh, or it's the opposite. You know, now everybody can say their honest truth that they're depressed and that mm-hmm. there are billions of people can say that. I don't want to see it every day because that's going to bring me down. I just gonna say that's where you know like boundaries especially like every everything is a double-edged sword you know especially with technology right I mean it could be our you know our saving grace or it could be like you know just destruction um but even for me like yeah I I totally resonate with that because knowing knowing the entire world's struggles at this point like once everything became global and I knew everything that was going on whether I believe it or not face value or like whether I really know what's going on I feel responsible for and we actually um Mm -hmm. it was the gosh who were you talking to Haley when he said the Dunbar number right am I saying that right oh yeah no and I I know what you're talking about but I can't remember the yeah there's there's a certain number like I think it's like 150 is like kind of like the cutoff where it's like that's your tribe like that's like the max amount of people that you can feel Sean was the one talking to us yeah Sean Koch yeah author um you know, someone connected or responsible for, or that you have like, you know, influence to, yes. to help or better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, once it's past that number, you can't, it's just a number, like all the people right. dying elsewhere. Like it sucks to think about, but there's nothing that I can do about it. Um, mm-hmm. But once globally and you see it all the time through your phone, um, you know, so all that. So I think really what it comes down to now is like creating boundaries for those things, creating boundaries for those Right. Um, avenues. And I think that's what people are starting to do, at least for sure, my generation. And I hope the next generation, well, actually, our, our generation should really teach the next generation and on and on. Where yeah. it's like, you need to turn that off for a little while, because it's good for you. And yeah. that needs to be instilled in every person where it's like, this is a great tool. This is a great thing. 
but you need to turn off and you need to live some life. And yes. so as long as, as that is still happening, like that's going to be mm-hmm. what determines it. So if I'm I can say, say real quick, uh, no, what, what, what was he? Damn. I almost forgot it now. He just the said Dunbar yeah, number. Yeah. It was 150. You go ahead and say what you oh, were saying. God. I don't want to yeah. hold it up, but it was, you reminded me of something. Um, well, yeah, I, 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 the thought that I'm having is I appreciate where you're coming from. I understand that, you know, and I don't want to call it like a doom and gloom thing. Like I personally have stopped watching the news. I don't watch it at no, all anymore no, because no. I understand for myself, the emotion it creates in me is not useful to me. It's important to recognize for your individual self, what things interrupt your in- internal peace and yeah. to choose the things that do not. And that's goes to Shane's setting boundaries. And I do believe that that is true. What I do also think, though, is that there's a certain amount of us not trusting ourselves and not trusting younger generations to naturally understand and come to that conclusion on their own. Mm -hmm. For kids to not come to a conclusion on their own that this thing in my hand that is very stimulating to my brain is not inducing a peaceful state within me. And I want to find that and I'm going to do what I have to do to find that. And I think that that is the valuable thing, because if you do look at and and this is something I've talked about in another podcast of mine, but if you look at the way that news, for example, 24 hour news is absolutely produced in a way that is meant to it to induce a state of stress and fear. Yeah. Listen to the music. Look at the colors. Look at the things that are flashing up. It is absolutely every bit as much produced Mm -hmm. as a film or a TV program. Right. It is put together. It is meant to elicit a certain response from you because you become addicted to the chemicals that your body creates when you are in stress mode. Your body Mm -hmm. gets so used to those chemicals your brain creates when you're in stress mode, you accidentally become addicted to that because it's familiar and comfortable and you keep going back to it. And and that is where we're at. Like I've talked about, it's about practicing looking for those other things that give you peace, that are your passion, that lead you to... Yeah. where your body's making those chemicals where you're happy, right, yeah. to, to follow that direction. And we have not been conditioned to practice the positive, mm-hmm. but we have come to a space where we recognize that's what needs to be done because we've seen these things through social media. And I think that maybe we have to have more trust in young people and in children that being born into this where that is something that is just a fact of their existence is social media and the internet and all this being access in your hand that they will have a natural capacity to look at that and say, I do need to step away from that and find the things that align specifically to me. I, right. I believe they will. Like I, I trust that, you know, the pendulum is going to swing back and all these things, right? Like once it swings out to the most extreme comes back. Right. And I mean, that's how I like a politics too. I'm just like, okay, right. We're hopefully nearing towards right. The, the middle, <laughs> like hopefully mm-hmm. it's not going to swing out any farther. It's like starting to slow down. Um, and I totally think that the, the next generation will figure it out eventually. Um, but for me, I'm just trying to like minimize the damage, hopefully of, of the next generation, right. by at least giving them a little heads up of like, you should do this. Like, it's a suggestion from me, like, you know, um, you know, just like, like drinking, right. Like at some point when Hayden turns 12 or 13 or 14, like, yeah, I'll probably let him have a little sip of like alcohol or like beer just cause he knows That's your son or yeah. Just so that cool. he knows, like, like he's going to find out what it means to be drunk and he's going to find out what it means to be hung over and all those mm-hmm. things. Like, I don't need to like blast him with that. Cause he'll figure it out. Um, but is it good to be like, listen, buddy, I'm just trying to give you just a little taste of like what this might be like, so that right. when you do fall and you're going to fall hard anyway, that it's not going to be like nearly as bad. And and they may figure it out. Like they may figure out that they do need real connections or whatever, 
But if that's mm. 20 years down the line, if they're in their 30s and they finally like realize they need a real person after being on right. the phone, like it's just gonna be so much harder for them. And so yeah. like you could be hopeful without ignoring problems. And I guess that's where mm-hmm. I try to like stay where I'm like, of course I'm hopeful about tomorrow because especially when you have kids, you have to be because like this has to get better just for the simple sake that somebody else is going to be here after me. But right. I don't want to ignore the problems by, you know, always yeah. want to have you know, every generation, I, I feel like what you're saying is we need to be the first generation that instead of blocking the previous, we need to kind of throw an arm around them. Right. Right. Instead of like, because everyone is always a uh, younger generation, this and that ain't mm-hmm. music. That ain't that ain't nothing. That ain't. And now we need to be like, no, we'll show you the way. And I don't know. if, But what you said, and if you see me jotting something down over here, I don't get the best memory if I'm not like. You're fine. Don't worry about oh, it. You're good, yeah. You should see my walls over here. It looks like I'm a murderer <laughs> yeah, like yeah i see a little bit over there you got the string and dude <laughs> oh yeah. no, that's... i mean this it's sticky notes yeah it just this is kind of a very early starting process thing but when the international conflict that we can be exposed to via the social media like you mentioned and all of these things that we can feel that make us feel so sad for outside these borders and whatnot for better or for worse living in this country america in its way in the way that we America kind of allowed us the privilege to not have to care. It's dark. It is really dark, especially if you, but, and that's like, that's just the honest truth, you know? And that's why when I see a lot of like, you know, like, let's just say the Ukraine thing with Russia for like two weeks, everybody was allied. Right. And then they just stopped kind of posting about it and it just feels kind of insincere. And I see, I feel like some of it stems from, subconscious guilt for the actions of our ancestors specifically for suburban america and that's them trying to say i'm not them i'm i'm my own person but no your hands are still dirty if you live here if you're like you know and it's so i'm just trying to that's random it might sound random but i want to you know just to keep different topics and whatnot so mm-hmm. but on, in the same realm i guess i mean when i when when you look at things like that though um you know the, the global issues, right? Mm-hmm. As an individual, unless you're going to fly yourself there to try to help, right? What yes. can you really do? Right. And so I, I don't think that it's a, a not caring. I think that it is an understanding that by me sending my energy of anxiety, upset, sadness, disappointment, whatever it is to that situation, I am only perpetuating that situation. I do believe, you know, people can think I'm crazy if they want. I do believe in the law of attraction. If you focus on the problem, you activate more of the problem. If you focus on the good and the positive and the possibilities, Mm -hmm. you activate more of the solution. Mm -hmm. Right. And I I think the energy of activating a solution is where people need to be. And, you know, to kind of Shane's point a little bit when you're thinking of not not ignoring a problem. Not wanting to ignore a problem. The, I think the best thing that anyone individually can do is to just be the example of good, right? right. Like mm-hmm. you can tell people things, but they won't always be in a space where they can hear you. Mm-hmm. You can you can protest against things that government is doing, but the government may not necessarily be in a space to hear you. They right? don't need to. They don't need to listen. Right. So again, th- it comes down to that thought that I've had before a new system needs to be put in place where individuals people society those of us who want good for everyone 
mm-hmm. can can create something where we say government we no longer need you gatekeepers of of whatever industry that have been keeping everyone else out for the sake of profit we no longer need you jobs right. that are mean you know don't pay enough and are not fulfilling we no longer need you you have always like been the one what you're saying Right. And I know people that probably will think I'm airy fairy crazy, but no, listen. it's dude, you're you probably I, oh. I know like thinking like that and living like that, you're bound to be a more of an uplifted soul. Yeah, for sure. You know, and like I do I spend years on like like the what you dabble in or what you delve into is kind of a reflection of who you are. And if you yeah. like any of my stuff that is out, uh you'll see it's all very kind of bleak. And I remember and people have been like, why, why do you want to make this? Why do you write this? But it's because it's just, I wanted to be honest. And I feel like I don't, you know, and it seems you're the same way, just a little bit on a different spectrum that, um, or opposite spectrum. You, you don't have any bias. There's no real like political or ideological bias here. You just feel like you want good. And, but it's, I'm not okay. gonna listen. I'm not gonna sit here and act like there's not darkness in me. Like one of my other series I'm writing is from the perspective mm. of Death, the Grim Reaper, who is telling yeah. of her. And like I have, there's, but and I should send it to you. Maybe this would, you know, yeah. I would love for you to read it. But the and I've told Shane about it. What all of the stories that she tells essentially are mm. of soul collections that look like a really bleak, horrible, depressing, awful, painful life. But every single soul after death collects them, reviews their life and recognizes the value it had, the beauty that was in it, the joy that they could have experienced in it, what good that came from the pain they experienced. Because Mm. from a place of a broader perspective, from a place of from a place of unconditional love, you can see that there is nothing that is not of worth of value that there's a reason why all of these things are available to us as humans, whether it's positive or negative, because in order to know yourself, which is what we all want is to know ourselves. Well, mm-hmm. you need to see yourself in darkness and in light and in all of the shades in between. That's the only way for you to have a truly broad perspective of yourself. Yeah, right. Without hope, there's no fear. Right. Or they, you need it's, the, it's, the, like it's the yin and yang. It's like you yeah. said, it's the dance. Mm-hmm. It is part of the human experience. Right. That is, that's what we all yeah. came for, right? Like, it's, well, I hate to throw in Barbie movie in here, but like, it's it's like, you know, sure, the plastic perfect world might seem perfect. Yeah. But if you don't have the contrast, if you don't have the pain, how good can the good moments be if you don't have the juxtaposition to hold them against? Yeah, I knew that movie was going to be great because, you know, you know, the writer and director, Greta Garwick, Noah Baumbach, they, I knew when I was surprised when they were attached, but I was like, okay, this is going to be something different. This isn't just going to be like a Barbie, like go buy the mm-hmm. new toy out. This is going to be something good. And it made a billion dollars. And I know I have a lot of nep- or nieces and nephews who that movie means a lot too. So yeah, that's, that's. And I, I do, I appreciate the, the, that sentiment that is in that film, that this human experience involves sometimes being sad, sometimes thinking right. thoughts that you don't want to think, sometimes experiencing feelings that you don't, enjoy right Mm -hmm. but if you didn't experience that thing that you didn't want how would you know the thing that you do want Mm -hmm. have you guys ever seen fox catcher not to change the we'll get Mm -hmm. back on top you've seen it yep Uh, so just to give you a if you if you're interested after this if you ever want to um you know of course you can read or i'll send you whatever outside of moonwalk which i sent already but um 
if you ever want to watch something to see what I go for, it's like a uh, vibe, aesthetic, everything. Mm-hmm. Watch Foxcatcher from 2014. Yep. I think it's the greatest like film of all time. And I've, but if so, also if someone, I, the amount of times I recommended it, um, this girl the other night, she was like, I'm so excited to finally watch it. And then she got back to me. She was like, this is what you've been talking about. <laughs> you know, but I think it is the, I've seen damn near every American horror movie in the last 25 years or whatever. Yeah. And Foxcatcher is the only thing to ever give me nightmares. And it's, oh, yeah. It's a John DuPont, Steve Carell. Yep. Bennett Miller is like the the greatest. Yeah, that is the. I wanted to. I made sure before this. I was like, you're going to fit that movie in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, so tell us what what is it about that movie then? Or it's, can you talk yeah. a little bit about your inspiration? So what other things brought you, to, for example? So like what things brought you to that movie as as a creative, as a person who mm-hmm. has interest in these things? Mm-hmm. And, and what were those influences that brought you to that one big influence? Well, um, as long as, you know, in the in the vein of dominoes that fall that you couldn't have yes, expected. Right. And it's funny because, well, I saw a lot of things, man, and I really love Capote and I really love Moneyball. And then Bennett Miller's next film was um, was Foxcatcher is and he hasn't done anything since. And that's one hell of a note to end on. <laughs> if you just <laughs> quietly bow out like right. that's a big, big flex. But um, so it's based on a true story of um, in Pennsylvania. Uh, John DuPont, he's an heir to the DuPont dynasty. He's kind of like the black sheep of the family. He's isolated, but he's incredibly wealthy. Shane, you've seen it, so I'm probably yeah, like... Real weird. Steve, Steve Carell does like a great job. And um, yeah, you know, I haven't done my studies on on DuPont himself, but uh, I can mm-hmm. I can see that he took the time to like... Right. ...into that character, so... This is the only film I've ever seen in which the true story itself is crazier than the actual movie. Yeah. You know, usually the movie dials it up to 11. Right. Like for an example, oh my God, the movie, it's so good. But when in real life, John DuPont got flung off of a, ho- a horse, right? Because his mother had all these like million dollar horses mm-hmm. and he landed on a fence post and he had to be, he became a eunuch. He had to have his oh, wow. removed, right? And then um, they, that's never even hinted at in the movie. No, but it's you not. Feel it. You feel it though. Yeah. Remember the gallery scene? Mark, gear up, practice in the gallery. That 3 a.m. wrestling session. Yeah. And like John DuPont's like an old 65 year old man. Yeah. And it's like the way the presidential portraits are lined up, like just in that dim light. And it looks like they're staring. It's just like, I don't know how Bennett Miller did it, but it's, yeah, it's, there's all these implications of things and it's all about the man's wealth. So I tried to do, um, and then, yeah, it's just, so it's, I love it, but basically, um, he funds a big, he funds a wrestling camp called Foxcatcher Farms. And uh-huh. yeah. And then uh, Mark Schultz and Dave Schultz, two uh, Olympic gold medalists, come on over. And then it's, that's all I'll say, I guess. But, um, you know, John DuPont paid the most money ever spent on a stamp, $9 million on a stamp, dude. <laughs> Are you being on the stamp or just a stamp? It no. must have been like it's a collector's no. special. That'd be, that'd be crazy. Uh, if I was on a stamp, dude, I'd pay my Yeah. I'd have to take out like two lifetimes worth of loans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so every anybody watching this at any point, if it's 30 years from now somehow, watch that movie, dude, please. No, because... and I can, I can attest to that because I just, now that you bring it up, I'm like, it was a really good movie when I, when I look at what mm. they did. Um, because any movie that takes 
outwardly like and when you just read the story as it is you're just like man that dude was really like messed up like mm-hmm. just a gross dude um but when you make the movie and you're able to make when you're able to still depict the villain or the bad guy or mm-hmm. you know person doing all these terrible things we can still depict them in like a gross manner where like this dude was messed up <laughs> and right. yeah like, things wrong and you can still feel pity for them like mm-hmm. you can still feel the humanness where it's like oh man but look what he went through right like look at mm-hmm. like how he progressed into this thing um mm-hmm. it is it's very artful to do that because yeah and it's like it's, empathy it's, yeah. empathy have has its bounds and limits right and, and right. those limits are within ourselves right uh mm-hmm. and so it's this it's always that experiment of like how far can we push you know empathy and and that's also like a it's a weird conversation too when you think of like the just the the recent um or just our fascination with like serial killers right yeah and all those things where it's like as a society like you know on the record we should abhor that and it's like no 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 tolerance like that's crazy stuff like that's just bad for society yeah. just bad for people um on the same level it's like we do these you know docu-series or a series like jeffrey dahmer and all these things where it's like mm-hmm. but they were a human and this is how mm-hmm. this human you know became this you know right uh it's a weird um yeah just talk about just the ambiguous feelings and the mm -hmm. closure like all those things where it's like they make you feel uncomfortable but in a such a human in a primal way way, but (laughs) yeah and you know it's funny because i i think those uh like a a documentary is different but like a a series on on like a john wayne geese or something is cool and couldn't be good but for Dahmer specifically and i and you can edit this or keep this in that's fine i don't just because it's I just feel like it was almost like fetishized. It was. There yeah, was and I, think that's... I was like, this feels as if they're going for something almost erotic. Yeah. And I was, and it's not my, it wasn't, and it was just odd to me. Well, I don't know. So I haven't watched the Dahmer series, but I did read yeah. the, my friend, the, the, my friend right? Dahmer, the graphic novel, my friend Dahmer yeah. um, from the, from a person who had gone to high school with him and, and knew him. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. So I, I kind of, I don't know. It's interesting you bring this up. What it what it makes me think of is uh is actually an episode of my fictional podcast that I wrote where the characters go to what is a it's an outpost in the cosmos where souls who have played villains in human existence Mm -hmm. go to rehabilitate because of all of the hate that they have absorbed from humanity, like their soul Mm -hmm. needs some time. So there's like Dahmer is there, Alfred, you know, Hitler is there. Um, who am I thinking? Is it Alfred? Who's fish? Albert Fish. I can't Albert Fish. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, right. Oh. They're there, and they're just like sitting at a table, craft, and it's it's their soul essentially elected to come to Earth to be a villain for the sake of being that contrast in human experience, and right. they absorbed a lot of hate from humanity for it, and now their soul has to go and rehabilitate, right? But it plays with that concept and that idea that no matter how bad someone looks from the outside. They are still a human being and something internally motivated that. Right. And 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 on some level, when we as humans look at that, whether it's to the level of a serial killer or someone who's really awful, the empathy element is I can see in me that I have had thoughts or feelings, maybe not to that degree, obviously, but like the the, the darkness I see in that I have seen in myself. And that's mm-hmm. where our fascination is, you know. I've seen that in me. 
why do I not make the choices that take me to that extreme? And how did that right. person get there? Yeah. Right. Is it nurture or nature? You know, all these different like. And questions. I think it's both. It, it You know, you can't so, ignore like, either. Yeah. People act like it's always one thing. But the, I had a question for you that I wrote down. Do you, have you ever written any or you have any interest in writing any nonfiction? Because it seemed, I know the mystical scene, it seems like that's up your. I have, yeah, no, I have thought of, um, I have an interest in writing a, I am big in like the metaphysical, the mystics and then, and gurus and teachers and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, big fan of like Neville Goddard, big fan of Alan Watts, like, you know, Esther Hicks, the thing that fascinates me, the thing that I enjoy the most about all of it. And that I would like to write about is that whether you look at these people on this angle, or you look at like someone like a grand Graham Hancock, who's done journalistic investigation into, you know, the, the sort of human history and how things tie into like cave art and altered states of consciousness. What fascinates me is that the message always comes down to the same thing, wherever you're going, when you're going into this, like, that spiritual journey was, and this is the nonfiction element that I would love to put together is that they're all saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. We are all connected. And the, the, the highest form of any human expression is always love. Right. Right. And, and the, the message is always feel as good as you can, as often as you can love Mm -hmm. as much as you can, even when it's difficult. Right. That is how you can be a joyful human in your experience and that is how you can be an example of how others can be joyful in their experience right and and that's the the solid one unifying message when you look at any of that stuff so like that does fascinate me the the how you can go to different teachers from different philosophies from different religions from different cultures and and that is always the message. Look for the good and look yeah. for the love. The foundation because... is always, because that's what I see. Yeah, because that's what they need to be instilled with as humans to mm-hmm. live a, any sort of prosperous life. Yeah, it's very, I like that. And Shane, I had a question for you. Sure. Now, do you try to, how do you, are you ever like have a character or a, a, a potential plot in your mind? And how would you like go about conveying that through a, through a, like a poem, would you say? Or how was it like just your process in general, I guess? Yeah. Um, and so I that's would, the hardest way that making somebody feel and something from 20 words. Yeah. That's like, you know, that's in, uh, uh, I can't do it. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard. And it's so it's very impressive. I like a, and it's just classical. It's classical American poet. You know, it's cool. No one cares about a screenwriter. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, and it's, it's hard to do what you do as well. Like I've, I've, wanted to write more fiction i've wanted to write more stories but for me like plot like plot gets tough for me because i feel like i have to have it all planned out or i have to have it like for me like i just love doing like scared like character sketches and that's kind of almost like what yeah my poems kind of end up being like where it's just like i have this feeling or I have this image idea whatever it is you know normally it just starts off as like an emotion like i feel lonely why am i lonely and i kind of latch on to like a bit of an image or or a piece of whatever I have, right? Sometimes it's pretty ambiguous or whatever. And then it's really just a sketch. It's just like an extended sketch of how um, how I'm trying to like describe it and get it out and, and use the words that are most, you know, original and genuine and, and intimate, right? Because I, you know, I talked to other people about this where it's like, we are so used to a, and that's kind of why AI is, um, you know, subpar in a lot of ways because it skims, right? It takes the it takes the top and the superficial of, you know, 
all of our language, right? And so you ask, you know, the bulk of us, like, what we think of when we think of the color blue or the color green and like first five answers will be like what we all think of what we're all conditioned to respond to when somebody asks us that question right mm -hmm. you keep asking yourself that and then you start to get down to the layers you start to get down the language that is yours you know that right. is yours like independently this is what i use to describe myself this is what i feel you know um you know what i feel novel with uh and so that's part of it um so that's part of the poetry poetry and then it depends on also if i'm writing just for myself where I'm just writing to kind of get it out or if I'm writing for, you know, where I want to read this or where right. I want other people to read it. So then that extension, so it's kind of like an extended metaphor um, where it's like you, I keep on extending this idea or this, um, this thing, this, this, uh, this emotion or whatever. And I keep re-describing it in different ways until either I feel like it's the, the truest that's ever going to be, or it's more, you know, it's most accessible to anybody who reads it you know and even if it's just like one line or four or five words that like you know everybody kind of, kind of people yeah can, yeah right and so that's that's kind of how i start and that's how a lot of mine are um but yeah i mean i would love to i would love to do more i think for me plot plot scares me a little bit um how right. do i get a, a convincing plot but then the more that i read you know i just read um mm. i just read grapes of wrath i just finished that like a, mm. a few weeks ago and Awesome book. If you guys haven't read it, Haley, if you haven't read it, it's, I've um, read. I that was a uh, read the book, watch the movie, film film class that I had. Yeah, that's a classic. Day. Yeah, that's it. it. I've never read it, but I know it's you know just in literary culture, it's a classic. It is, and it, and it totally repeats itself. Like I, I was telling a couple other people about it, like the way that you know the Okies were treated um, is the way that we treat immigrants today. The way that right. people are are starving for work and being laid off and being you know given all these things. It's the same thing it was back then. You know, same mm -hmm. thing corporations would rather burn their product than allow people to use it or pick it right. or you know digest it whatever um <clears throat> but uh so fun fact i use it actually as my it's my toilet reading so that is my toilet reading book so, <laughs> you gotta yeah. have one right well because you assume at least you should if you're if you're regular right you'll you'll you know <laughs> drop <laughs> it at least once a day if right? you're not kim jong-un right <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> You don't eat a lot of cheese, whatever else. Like you should be visiting the bathroom for right a few minutes, sitting down right. at least once a day. And mm -hmm. with those types of books, um, you know, I equate them to basically what a series is now, where it's like, um, it's it's the progression, and so it has to be this long thing, and you have to like visit it every yeah. day to keep up with the story and to really feel connected to the characters. Um, mm -hmm. But when I bring up that book, it's like it's not a, you know, it's it is really just like a, a character study, a character sketch all the way through. It's a very simple plot where it's like these people are homeless. This is how they figured out they move. Um, but so trying to like, yeah, just trying to start simple with a plot and then just focus on the characters. I think that's probably one of the best things right. that, that I think I'm going to go ahead and just put it out there. I think we need to be a little bit of a dream team here. I have a, well, we can talk about it off camera, but yep. I have a movie idea. I was mentioning to you that like I, I have a whole plot figured out wrote out mm -hmm. I, the help oh. that i need is um for a riddles to be created shane poetry okay. and for screenwriting to be assisted with um hi yeah. there michael so like <laughs> let's collaborate i'm so excited I'm already. I'm open like, to work you know? with anybody, yeah. i want to work with anybody real quick we'll get back to that i just so i don't forget Shane, what you said is uh the reason why i and all three of us should never be threatened by ai because they can do everything but have an original thought Right. And that's what we bring to the table. So I'm yeah. with you on that. And I wanted to say that, too, that because I've looked at like chat GPT and you can look at things and, online yeah. and you can see what's been written by AI and what hasn't. Right. right. And you can yeah. see things that when it comes to art, what is AI art and what is. I'm not impressed. 
and <laughs> even and, though it sold for like 200 grand you see that at the gasconian i think it sold for like 200 grand a piece the first ever like ai art and, and i I, I, I don't have a problem with that because again abundance to everyone everyone should have an opportunity to be abundant in life in whatever way you can the thing with ai is that there is there's never going to be that human flavor Right. Yeah. Like the passion, the creativity, the emotion that we can put into it cannot be expressed by AI. And that is where you're going to see the differences. Yeah, I do stories really are supposed to connect us. Stories have always connected us. They bring us together. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't want to hear what a robot thinks, man. I'm not interested because it's because it's not relatable. It's you can't relate to that. Right. And that's what it is. Unless it's done in a way that is like, um, you know, like showing like or the, one of the themes is this is not human like you know if mm -hmm. it's and if it's off for and it being off is part of the appeal like right. if it's right. AI, you know what i mean but if it's trying to to sell me on like a like some standard drama and it's like I, i'm not really buying it here. i'll never buy it i'm against it i really am not i'm not I, guy, but I'm my i'm again toxic positivity. i've done this for too long for free for 10 years and now I just don't, See, not that I'm against it, but it's, we've all done it, man. And I feel like if what we do, if all of a sudden AI starts doing it and popping off, I, the way I see it, they're going to end up taking those jobs and we'll still be working labor. Right? <laughs> no, I, I don't as think, a, as a country. I think that it's just another tool, right? This is the way I view it. And whether, whether like, I look at it as, think about early days of photography how many mm -hmm. artists or portrait artists thought that they were going to be made obsolete by the photography when it came to moving pictures right now we go into movies now we go into film and those those pictures that we can take are now becoming a, a on-screen film and how mm -hmm. many people actors in vaudeville and different they thought that that was going to go away that theater was going to go away here we are in the day that we have broadway is still alive and well and thriving mm -hmm. right video killed the radio star. We thought that MTV was going to kill radio stars and yet podcasts exist and audio exists. It all exists. We don't have to. I just don't think we have to negate anything. We can have an inclusive universe where everything is able to be used as a tool for people to more easily right. express themselves in some way. And the thing that I think is, you know, look at AI as a tool, as a, it's, the painter's toolkit, right? It's just another mm. brush in your toolkit. It's just something else you can use, whether it's for brainstorming or for, for whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Leverage it to your advantage. Yeah, Leverage right. it as a creative person to your advantage. You can't close Pandora's box once it's opened. You can't. You look towards, it's again, look towards the solution. Look towards how can I use this to benefit me? Look towards how can this be? And I really do. I think, cause I'm, for example, I, you know, I do abstract art. I don't have classical art training, but I have yeah. used AI art to generate images of like characters to come up with ideas for these mm -hmm. character bios I've done. So it is a tool that I have used. If, if you look at it as just the next technological tool, creative people can use to express themselves. To me, it becomes creativity being more accessible to more people and the more that we can express ourselves creatively and the more people who can express creative ideas and learn to put emotions and energy and that mm -hmm. abstract into creativity the more we can communicate with each other on a deeper level right because creativity in a lot of ways transcends the boundaries and limitations of culture and language right. and <clears throat> and i think I that can, yeah go ahead 
real quick, I just want to say the I think the reason for some of my my AI opinions <clears throat> is because everything has changed. You can be podcast, you know, you can be an uh, actor and you put it on Instagram and you're real and then the right person sees it, this and that. And every aspect of entertainment or media has changed except really for writing. Mm-hmm. It's still, you still got to write the whole piece. You still have to have it read. You still, it, the only difference is really that it's through email. So, mm-hmm. and I'm so thankful that the, it hasn't, I like the classical kind of thing of it. You still got to do this, you know, yeah. you, it's, you have to, but all I'm saying that for is because I think that can stem from some of my, um, I don't, I hope not obsolete anytime soon, obsolete yeah. opinions on AI, but, um, you know, I just, it, it makes me feel weird because it's, no, it's, it's just a man and a keyboard kind of. Yeah, You're it's the, close the poetry, to, you know. It's How do you feel home, about like, it? Dude? What's that? How do you feel about it? Yeah, no, I mean it hits close to home, dude. I still write all my rough drafts like of poetry and stuff on a typewriter. I love typewriters. I've got like really. Yeah, and I, I went I, through I, the phase, dude. I couldn't do it. I was like, this is the whiteout. I was like, I'm just going yeah. back to like what's efficient. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Man. I mean, it's if if I have to edit anything, I still take the rough draft. I throw it on a computer. But like, just for me mm-hmm. to get down words, um, it's easier for me to do that because like it's it's. I have such a hard time being like critical, like pre-critical of like what I'm writing. So mm-hmm. it's like just for me, like get it down on paper. Right. It that way, printing it right away. It's like, it's okay, boom, it's here. Like I'm just I'm going with it. And then the, mm-hmm. just the mechanics of it, the kinesthesiology yeah, of, yeah. of doing it that way. I just love it. And I, and I love the story of it. I love like, again, like the writer hunched over, banging out a sweet yeah. <clears throat> piece of truth or poetry or, or story that's going to change the world right like that is and like the, you said earlier with the shaving and whatnot it's a routine it is very much so, so it's like and that allows you the, when you're at that typewriter you know all right it's go time yep. you're not writing notes on your phone yeah you know mm-hmm. um, and so i agree with that 100 but same thing like it. ai is like you know and i have to remember that naturally there's going to be a dip in other things because ai is the shiny new tool in mm-hmm. the toolbox and yeah. i'm going to figure out what best to use it for and then it's just going to be like every other tool in the toolbox. I hope. I hope. That's what I see. That's where I'm at. That it, what, it will yeah. just become from right. typewriter to computer to type, from you know recording. It, it it's just the next technology. Yes, it always has to be human input. Big. Like no matter what, even to make it good, like there always has to be human input right. to feed it back through. Like it, it still has to loop back to a human inputting yeah. and then mm-hmm. reacting and then inputting again. It just it's I don't know. I just feel like in this country, at least if it becomes regulated, it's going to be like, how do we use this? In, how do we put these in Iraq? <laughs> you know what I mean? I just don't see it being used for like nothing but what America does, man. And it's, I'm not, I'm just saying it's. And at, and at first it certainly will be like, that's the thing. Like it, yeah. it will, it, it will be used like. I, again, years. that's like anything when you look at things from an institutional point of view, whether it's government or even education or medicine mm-hmm. or whatever it is. The next new thing is always going to be used from a bureaucratic standpoint yeah. for a bottom line type mentality. Right. Like nuclear but, but, be used as a bomb before it's used as energy, right? Like that just happens. Yeah. Right. You know? But again, <laughs> it comes down to, I think, as individuals to find that place where you are aligned with your own truth in a way that is an example. You can draw mm-hmm. enough other people the new system, the new whatever it is that will replace these things that are because I mean, let's just have let's have this like little thought experiment. How different is AI as a concept to the idea of bureaucracy? It really isn't. 
there's some well, amount of human input to keep it going. But to a certain extent, it's just generating and regurgitating and spitting things out that have been that it has access to that have been. It can't create the new. Right. right? And my whole thing is, say for the Iraq comment, my my fear stems from the arts, mm-hmm. from what our thing, you know, and that's the the difference between AI and an artist is is what I worry about more than because the government. I don't think, you know, I don't know. Can keep going. Sorry. Well, it it really is. It's. If you look at, you know, say AI government, that Mm. is the sort of, I don't want to non-humans, maybe not the way I want to say it. It's, it's, it's the capacity. It's not emotional. It is looking towards just, again, regurgitating what we've done and going through mechanical motions, right? right? The, the spark of the new, the spark of something fresh the spark Mm -hmm. of something that comes from a place deep within you it doesn't exist there and i think that i think it's a good thing in the sense of your audience right and i think there's billions of people on this planet there's got to be an audience for everybody right there's enough to go around this idea that there's not enough for everyone to have an audience is just a lackful mindset that is false right right that you are going to find whether you use AI as a tool or not, you're going to find your audience, your people, the people that need to hear your message, because the Mm -hmm. reason that any of us creates out of, you wouldn't want to create something. You wouldn't have the desire, the passion, the calling to create something for its own sake. If there were not someone out there, some yeah. audience out there that needed your voice, your style, the yeah. way that you say the message. And it's like what I talked about with all the different, you know, spiritual gurus. Mm-hmm. They are all saying the same message, but everyone hears a message differently depending on where they are. And yeah. and you need to that message might need to be repeated in different ways through different voices because you never know when you're the voice that someone needed to hear, even if they've heard that message or connected to that message right. in a different way before something about your particular, again, flavor mm-hmm. is valuable because someone out there is looking for what you have. Right. right? And That's you never know working. when you're going to run into it. I've been worked in a way because I'm I've had to I've had no choice but to, to learn and to operate under the assumption that um. It's it's no longer like I don't call myself an artist because it's not really it is all about budget, you know, like I used to do it because, you know, for and I still do it, of course, for like the the con- my contribution. That's my most important. That's what I why I do anything. I want to contribute to the to the medium, you know, but it's when you're not really making stuff, you're just writing the script. It's very. Like they'll they the audience doesn't tell you your work. It's the investor. Mm-hmm. They tell you by the amount they d- don't put in, or the, if however it goes, they tell you it ain't worth nothing. It doesn't mm-hmm. resonate with people. Plus, and I'm only speaking just this is purely for myself, a very specific, you know, thing. Um, you know, scripts aren't always meant to be read, or they're they're not really meant to be. This is the way they're the format in general. It's not really going to con- like. It's uh, meant to be a blueprint for what the film looks like. Yeah, and the film say, product is what is what is supposed to send the message to the people. Right. Whereas, and I'm okay it, with that. I don't I don't like being on I don't like sets. I don't like nothing like that, you know? And writers aren't, you know how it is. They don't want the writer on set. Cool. But 
and I've, I've, you know, but it's just, I don't know. And it's just, I'm not, I feel like I sound like such a downer, but no, it's, I, mean, it's, I totally get that. I mean, well, and you know, creative, like, I don't know, you know, even when I collaborate and just being as a writer, I think I'm more like, I'm more open to collaboration because um, mm-hmm. especially with things being so instant, instantly digestible, at least mm-hmm. for right now, I've, I've had to come to terms with being like, okay, people don't have the time. They've got all these other things to read, right? They don't have the time to like give whatever my piece is going to be five or 10 minutes to read, right? Or right. that stuff. So I'm more open to collaboration as a writer, because if I can pair it with something that's visually striking or, or prompting, right. um, it, makes, it makes the impact faster. And you can't mm-hmm. always get that just by looking at it. Sometimes you got to read it, all those things. I mean, all that, yes. that included. Um, that's just sometimes what it is, I guess, when it comes to, um, yeah, like the art form, I think our definition of art is, is changing in a way where it's, um, it, it's really comes down to how best to elicit, um, or prompt what an emotion, reality, mm-hmm. a truth, like all those things, you know, where, um, like AI, right. It's like, I feel like the beginning of AI is kind of what we used to think of like portraits, right. So like the idea of art, artful portrait was like how close can an artist get this to like photographic quality yeah. right before photographs okay how mm-hmm. how like how exact and you know realism right yeah. realism like how can i make this exact of, to what i'm seeing right and then art changed and towards like it's no longer about just seeing it for what it is it's about making me feel something yeah. now let's it. go inward instead of just focusing inward, on the yeah. outward right and so i think that's all it is now and so even ai it's like okay how is AI helping me helping either prompt myself into making something or helping me prompt the audience into feeling something? Uh, right. And the thing is with, uh, with it being like a tool, it's the first tool in the artist's toolbox where you're not doing all the work. Right. And I, that just, I don't really get down with that. Like out from my writing, but you see, if you are a, say uh, you, a sculptor, like the guy you had on yeah. and you want to mm-hmm. get some design, like blueprints, yeah. I went hundred percent. I mean, yeah. specifically for writing, I think it's a little weird. Why do why, you know, like my buddy the other day is right working on a, a series, and he said he it helps him outline and format the um, uh, his uh, timeline. Yeah, and I just and it's no, it's just me. I couldn't help but think like, why do you, why though, you know? Yeah. Because you maybe that? that piece of it is not what he finds joyful, and so that's not yeah. where he's <laughs> meant to add value. And that find yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm saying. That the pieces of AI, I think, are it's it's not any different than a dishwasher. Why do you have a dishwasher? So you don't have to spend so much time washing the dishes. So you have time to do something else. And the question is, what are you doing with that time? Are you Mm -hmm. using that time to continue to do other things that aren't necessarily aligned with your highest joy? Or are you using that time to find more joy in your life? And for me, it's 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 that use AI to take care of the dishes, right? And maybe for him, the timeline and the, and then those aspects of it are the doing the dishes part of his creativity that he doesn't want to do. And so he uses it to facilitate the parts of his creativity that are more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we can learn to use that tool in that way, that to take some of the effort out of the creation process where you put the best energy into because the thing that you don't like about your creative process like for me if it was if i was doing like we talked about the script writing is a little bit more technical that's not really where my passion is and that's not really what i'm necessarily good at Mm 
right? right? And so it's it's the best work that I'm going to do is going to be where I put something out that I'm feeling the best. Like you can't mm. really do good work from a space of I don't really want to do this right now, yeah. right? And so I think it's just something that if you use it as a tool to give you the space to do your best work from the place, to be able to come from the place where you create your best work, yeah. that, you know, that is where we need to look at AI. I think we've been yeah. conditioned like as, as writers and artists where to claim our work, we have to produce or have a hand at every single part of it. Like as a writer, when, that's claim- always been the case me that's always that's always yeah like i wrote every word every word of that piece came from me i claim it i'm a writer that's that's my thing but i have to look at it as like you know like a sculptor like working on a big piece of like marble it's like yeah i could whittle this entire thing down by hand but i'm really just gonna like work on this big chunk so i'm just gonna Mm -hmm. like you know like i get it dynamite until i get to this piece that i'm actually working on right i I can see it for everything except just for what i my personal thing is because i have such an attack you know i've been and his writing is just uh, but yeah sculpture or anything that's visual or anything that you you want to get some blueprint hell yeah that's like because they use ai on construction sites you know mm -hmm. like uh cranes but just for writing is not changed like it's still and it just yeah I don't think I resistance to it. I I feel the same way. It's like just because it's I'm not a resistance or yeah, it's just I'm not. I'm never. I'm not going to do it because I don't know. I know how to do what you know what I mean. Like that would be well. I would have to change up the process, right? Yeah, that's that's your creative process. Like for me, so Mm -hmm. I'm similar. So like when I, so it depends. So like sometimes I I read to get ideas. Of course, you never used it, right? Not to interrupt. You never use AI. No, no, not, yeah, I haven't, not like, to write. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry, I, 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 I fed a couple, like, ideas to see what it would do with poetry, which it totally sucks. It's still trying to, like, rhyme shit and do all the same stuff. Um, but, so, but that makes sense. Like, so for your creative process, AI mm-hmm. might not work. Just, like, when I want, when I want to come up with something new, like, so sometimes, of course, I need to read to, to get an idea or to motivate myself to, uh, to an emotion or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But when, I am trying to create something from scratch, like from new, very novel. I don't want any influence from anywhere because I'm trying to come up with like just originality, right? So I'm just like, okay, right. whatever I've got, that's where it needs to come. I don't want any influence. I don't want to imitate anything accidentally. And mm-hmm. so, you know, for me, yeah, it would be hard to have AI like spit stuff back at me because it's like, I just don't want it in my creative space right now. Yeah. But other people love the springboard and that's how they get it. Right. You know? mm-hmm. So it, it just yeah. Yeah, depends on your process. I can see it being, okay, with, with the word springboard, I could see it maybe being like a, it, it's still not a real writer's work, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it bouncing off an idea as it evolves, as it becomes maybe more of the right. tool instead of yep. just, but still, mm-hmm. man, it's just weird to me, the idea of typing like, but I'm old school, man, because, you know, I do, Kubrick did, did the dishes. Bennett mm-hmm. Miller did the dishes, right? These guys who I are like, they did the dishes, so I did the dishes, right? In the house that is That is writing. My question though is, and maybe just for like the perspective yeah. shift a little bit, is there an element in mm-hmm. creativity like there is in a lot of things in, in again human life where we think that if we did not struggle to get somewhere, that somehow we are not validated, we are not worthy. There's, that, there's a romanticism. Yeah, the, I'm a my mind right. has been industry trained. 
So this is why, yeah, that's exactly right. So the idea of ease in using AI is a resistant thing to some degree because- Because I had to suffer, so you do too. Right, (laughs) but really- I think I'd be like a degenerate and an addict and like all those things because so many writers were like, so many writers like burnt out and like, oh, to be a writer, I just got to like be an asshole and drink all the time. Right, but do you really have to do that? No, you you don't. Do you really have to to have the struggle? You don't. And and so- It is. It's it's that conditioning it's of honestly, if you didn't try hard, if you didn't struggle, then your story isn't valid. And the truth yeah. is that every story is valid. Every perspective is valid. Everything has mm. worth, even if it's not something that is worth or valid to you. It's worthwhile right. or valid out there to someone. And it, it does become, I think, a situation of take what resonates, leave what doesn't. Right. If this aligns to you and if it works for you, use it. If it doesn't, ditch it because it's not for you, you know, and it it really, I think is just more of, again, that tool that helps every individual person to see, okay, what is my personal perspective? What is my personal Mm -hmm. flavor? What is my process? What is the thing that works the best for me? And it doesn't have to look the way that anyone else thinks it has to look. It doesn't have to look like anybody else's stuff. It doesn't have to conform to the things that we've been conditioned to believe are the things that are required. It can look completely like whatever works best for you. And it doesn't have to look no one else yeah. has to give you permission to be you. Uh-huh. Mm. Well, I my, that kind of I don't know exactly what time it is, but if to yeah, sorry, we do want to be respectful of your time. I know we've yeah. no, no, I just I don't know. Great, if, it's been well, great conversation. So I was I figured you because when you had another meeting in progress when I hopped on, so I didn't know what you know what the deal is if you guys are busy. But I wanted to say because of the way like screenwriting is so isolating and it's you work on something and then you are told, like we said, make it cheaper or you, you relinquish every, all creative control. And then there, I don't want to like, well, all I'm going to say is I am on the, I go back to LA on Tuesday and then on the eighth, um, my birthday, I'm meeting with, um, her name is, uh, what's the lady's name? I forget. It's the CEO of the LA performance arts center. Uh, the okay. uh, Natalia, we've been we connected and we're going to we have a meeting on the 8th at three o'clock because I've um, I'm doing a little U-turn or a left turn into theater uh, because okay. and, uh, writing plays I've always wanted to. And I know some actors and whatnot. And because I want to take this year because I've been doing the industry rat race for too long, <clears throat> like this last year, really like knee deep in it. And I want to actually create some something. Yep. You know, and I want to see the work be delivered. Actors going like reading over it <clears throat> and us doing line back and forths and whatnot. And I think that's the right thing for me to do. I feel like I've earned it. Yeah. You understand? Because of how um and a film like it's everything is just budget, budget, budget. And whereas these actors are really they are know, there no, for the work, they're there for the piece, they're there to yeah, help right. you tell the and story. And this guy, um, his name's Ray, he is a I, there's some in, uh, financial, we have funding a little bit, which is very nice. And that that's like the divine way of telling me, I think, go for it, dude. Just because, Absolutely. Just because it needs to be done. And also like the isolation that a job like this provides, like you can get out there and, and, you know, it's just so that's, I think maybe my mind will change after I, you know, shake some of the, and a lot of the industry stuff, you'll hear anybody talk about like that you fight through is 
un, is unanswered like emails or answered emails that what I call false starts. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what it. But it will it gets it drives you nuts, man. Mm-hmm. And everybody deals with them in all aspects of life, but just on the topic of with AI and whatnot, I feel like it's I don't know. But yeah, it's that's uh, you're right because if you just because time changes and just because you're you have the old school way of you got to suffer because they they did and now you do it's I th- hope you can understand why it does make me a bit uncomfortable. I hope oh, that sure. I hope I don't sound yeah. No, yeah. I understand where you're coming from. I yeah. you know again that idea. Of... And I mean for writing solely anything yeah. else I don't care about because I I, I know I'm gonna do that you know. Yeah. I don't but like I, so it. I can only speak from not that I don't care about, but I don't care about whatever process makes you do what you right. want to do artistically. Well, and, and I don't like it, too, because it's like, you know, growing up, like still in the minority of, of people that like to write. Like, I mean, you go up in school and it's it's math and English that everybody either like hates mm-hmm. or is OK or, you know, loves really. And I was one of the people that loved English. I was one of the people that loved to write and read and get my stuff out. And so for right? The majority of my life, like I've been proud of being proficient, you know, there may be other people at writing or or communicating in that way. Mm -hmm. And then something comes along and it it makes me feel like my skill is less, you know, prestigious or less, you know, valuable in that way. And it's, yeah, it sucks. And I have to get over that. Yeah. You know, that, uh, (laughs) that feeling. This is not like therapy. This is not like a, a, a thing, like a, healing thing for us like this is our this is my identity and this is yeah. like who i am it's the, my confidence here's, here's my, what i here's what i'll like say a, though i don't dip my t- if what did ty west say if you're gonna get wet may as well swim right yeah yeah so, yeah that's i mean that's in a common expression i heard it from him when i was like nine no i love that but i do think that again and i think this ties into the social media aspect of things that mm-hmm. there's a certain element of do you take away from from social media and, on, and all this kind of conversation that you don't need to be validated by the external world in order to be valid, right? That yeah. we are still conditioned and we're still looking for that. How does my work get seen? How do I get an audience? When the right. truth is you creating because it comes from you, right? Mm-hmm. And just putting it out there. That's enough. You did a thing. You made a thing. You created you. You, you know, whatever your process was and however you did it. I, yeah, I like what, the what, I like whether the whether anyone sees it or not. What you did is valid. And I think if if we can all kind of learn to. To love what we do and what we've done. And I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to say that, like, anyone has a wrong perspective. I don't want you to get that idea. I, I just know. No, it's. This is it, the most uncomfortable chair I've ever sat in. Is all. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm a I'm a wiggle worm too over yeah. here. Don't like don't even worry like, about this it. This thing has been falling apart. It just like hurts. But it's all right. I we're manifesting a beautiful podcast studio that we can all meet in. I'm manifesting uh, a chair. Yeah. yeah, like it's gonna be great. Cushy it's chairs, right. awesome mics, very nice. nice backdrops. Don't like. Thank you, universe, in advance. Yeah. But I do think <laughs> that some of it is that as artists, we do need to. To, to let go of the conditioning from society and certainly from the culture in which we've grown up in America that and, and the social media aspect that says, if you don't get a certain amount of likes, it's not valid. If you don't get a certain amount of attention, it's not valid. You Everything that you... Farther than what they have been, for sure. Right. Like the identity that... crisis, like you said, I, it's like just the thought of it, the thought of trying to move away from 
uh, critic approval. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it, it actually, not that it scares me. It doesn't, I don't, it just doesn't register only because this is what I've always done. And I can't really, you know, like I do it because critics are like, you know, it's, it's cool. the part it's of the game, right? It's the dance like of this, that all of Kubrick did and all of them did, man. You know? I, I think of it as um, it's the harmony of nature, right? Like a squirrel is a squirrel and does squirrel things. You are a writer. You write. We write. We do writer things. Yeah. You have to do it because it is your identity. It is who you are. Yeah. And that, I think, is where you're seeing that chart like you were talking about before mm-hmm. of happiness quotient and how things have gone down. It's, it, it's because people are, I think, starting to recognize what you are called to do right. creatively that's who you are. That's who you are meant to be. That's your place in the ecosystem of humanity. And when you're yeah. not doing the thing that is who you are and following your identity, it's very uncomfortable. It's very painful. It's very unfulfilling. It doesn't trigger like our imposter syndrome, like even more so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And it will. And that's just right. And I always think, man, every morning, I think how blessed I am to have gotten the call, so to speak, when I was seven years old. That like to the point where I never once like it was never like, am I going to do this? Like graduating high school, am I going to go into this career? Am I going to because, you know, like film or not graduating high school, I did that. <laughs> I yeah. that. But I always just knew like, well, I'm going to go into that. I think because of how I since I was seven years old, you know, and so it's just like. I don't know, there's just one way of doing it, like. I think that is something that um, I appreciate you saying that I have always been a creative person. I've always been someone who's I write and, you know, dream up. I don't do nothing else but write in terms of creativity. Like, you know, everyone like a jack of all trades. I wish I had something. I'm I'm the jack of all trades that I can't not do different things. You know, I I can't. Yeah, I wish I could paint or draw or. I can't do and I don't necessarily, again, have classical drawing skills. My art is very abstract Ooh, and I've man. done things like I, but but that's <laughs> just, just it. I'm not classically trained or anything. <laughs> no, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is Delilah. You can see her hair. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I mean, and whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I just classically trained is is whatever works, man. Like, yeah. like Ben Miller I, dropped out of college and uh, Cooper dropped out of uh, high school. Tarantino is, um, you know, a name you hear kind of a lot, but he dropped out of high school. And yeah, like, film and school is not, for me at least, like, film school, if you want to go for the equipment, yeah. play yeah. around with it, I Training. get it. But I, I always just wanted to write it then. So See, even, even you just saying that and just like knowing how big those names are and, and having just the urge and the hunger to want to be big and write something good or whatever else, like even you just saying those facts, I have to watch myself because I'm just like, man, I should have dropped out of high school. Then I'd be awesome. Or like, then I would. Yeah, why did I drop out of ninth grade? Right, but it's that same like <laughs> romantic where it's like, oh man, if only I would have like had a really shitty life. Right. Like, yeah. God. Yeah. If only happening. I would have. Like, like Blansky. If only my my parents would have escaped the Holocaust and, and brought yeah, me over right. to America. Yeah. If only <laughs> I, I would have uh, more sexually. No, I was only saying like, that yeah. on the back of her classically trained comment. Yeah. You know, because it's I don't. There's no one way to anything. But I, what I right. want. But that's what I appreciate. That's what I appreciate, though, about what you're saying is is really and truly we can consider ourselves blessed because we yeah. know who we are enough to know that this is what we want to do. 
the creative life, the writing. Not everyone knows what they want to do in life. Not everyone knows that thing that that creates a spark in their soul. Not everyone does. 90% don't, honestly. And and so even to think of, you know, and this is definitely a message that I know I need because I become very frustrated all the time with like, why am I not just podcast editing and producing all the time and having Mm -hmm. to work a day job because it gets in the way, right? But really and truly, how how blessed am I that and I don't say that in a religious way I'm certainly not a a religious person but it is a beautiful thing that I can know myself well enough to know that this is the thing that lights me up that I want to do right and just to find the gratitude in that right Right. I think the most beautiful thing for me is just the fact that like these guys exist like exist like the I could go on for I don't the names I can name man like Scorsese and Fincher or all these guys who just there are or anybody whoever it is like they exist and their art is like here to consume mm-hmm. that's like the that's why you know if somebody is an artist and they see and if you're a filmmaker a screenwriter and you see that see all of these things that these these people have done and you don't want to contribute to it mm-hmm. somehow then not even let me say it differently you need like the the contribution is key man like that's because it's like passing on the baton you know i just love it i love the everything i i ever will do have done any achievement anything is owed to them you know i just wanted to really as if this was like if i had to make one state if i get plane crash tomorrow when i go back to like i want i want that to be my my legacy that is yeah if i could compliment the world that's like you know biggest thing i feel like as artists like we just want to compliment the world i want to compliment the culture yeah well and that's what i know shane you said a lot of times you how do i add value right how do i add value and that i think that is uh, a very big part of why we do what we do like you know Mm -hmm. how do i how, how do i inject some of this you know whatever this energy is that i feel is is so exciting and useful or interesting or or fascinating to me right how do i put that out into the world in a way that someone else can can latch on to not even for the sake of me being able to pay my bills with it but for the sake of you Mm -hmm. had that inspiration you had those forebears who showed you who you are who showed you what you want how can i be that for someone else how can i make them proud how can i make the ones before me and then inspire them inspire the next yeah Mm -hmm. contribute is such a Great. Oh, go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I want to hear. It. Go ahead. Well, I just going to say that like contribute is such a good word. Um, I mean, just for the sake that it has the word tribute in it, because it just like right. that's, that's what it is. Like that's totally you know. Mm-hmm. One that's word. what it's all about, it's man. Tribute. I don't. I like to like some. The ending of Moonwalk is literally the ending to No Country for Old Men, but there's a spin on it. The last line is basically, and it's and that's homage. You know, it's not because mm-hmm. it's it's its own thing, but like. How many, and like in Wicked Cycles, the first thing I ever put out, there's the uh, homage to the shiny with the swinging of the bat. And that's not like, you can tell when someone's ripping off, right? Mm-hmm. But like, do it, it's a little like tilt to the hat. A know? respectful nod to the, to, yeah. to the, to know that you, the inspirations yeah. you received. And here's the thing that I really think is great about that. I love, I love it when I see an homage, a callback, a, a yeah. hint to something else, right? And I, I think the brilliant thing in that when you are able to pay tribute, not in this, you know, make 
I know what you say, make some, make them proud. You're not saying in the sense of like looking for validation for yourself, but that, <laughs> well, yeah, but, but that I know you, but when, yeah. when someone catches on and sees, you know, or sees some, and someone says, oh, that's an homage to whatever. Well, then that mm -hmm. person, someone might go down the rabbit hole of, well, where does that come from? I don't know about right. that. And, right. and might find even more inspiration and find inspiration where you did. Right. And then they can look at what you've done and say, Right. Oh, okay, you know, they were inspired, they did this, and then look at what they created. Mm -hmm. That's just a tiny little nod that you added in there to your writing, but look at the rest of the work that you did. You know, look at the rest of what you did create. And right. it is, it's it's sort of putting yourself out there in a way where you do hope that you do inspire someone again to, yeah. to follow their passion, to follow their identity, and to be able to create and add value in their own way so that it exponentially builds, right? Right. And just to like, yeah, because it's not a it's not a hedonistic job. It's not a very, um, you know, in terms of the external factors, maybe, but on the page and on the, the contribution is is has to be egoless. It really and honestly does. Mm -hmm. It cannot be about you in terms of what and y'all know this in terms of what you create. Now, what comes with it, the outside and like whatever may be accolades or money for any job. It's got to be egoless. You agree, right? Or am I? Yeah. It, you, it can't, there can't be any self. It's just got to be the page. No, it is. It's, it's the create, it's creating the thing for the sake of the thing itself. Because people can tell, like once movies have a, if you have a message, that's great. But when it's, when it feels preachy, when yeah. it's obvious yeah. and it almost is like talking down to you, it's like, what? I don't understand it. And that's not a message that people can receive well, right? Yeah, because they don't and like you're... being told nothing. Right. Like, so how do you, right. No, I'm with you a hundred percent. Don't, don't preach at me and tell me like, let me make up my own mind kind of thing. And right, or let me just, but that's what I do enjoy. Just so we, I, you know, try to wrap this up a little bit for you yeah. again, want to be respectful of your time, but no, um, I, I do like that about the way that, you know, you're again, sort of flavor with moonwalked that it is not to be taking sides, not to be saying this is what it was, but to present just to present the information, present the the picture of it and allow the audience to decide for themselves, allow right. them to take in that information and, and make their own determination. Because mm -hmm. really, at the end of the day, that's what everyone's going to do anyway, regardless. Yeah. Right. And I'll end it or just, um, you know, the scene and the is is all ambiguous. It's kind of up up for what you want to decide. But the subtext is all grounded by the the ugly truth of this country, which is, or of, of I guess. I think it it's really about, is. It's greed, it's excess, it's exploitation. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's what happens when you achieve the American dream. You can be whatever, you can have it all, you can do it all. What happens when you get that? It never ends well, you know? So that's what I wanted to kind of, and I think that's a nice place for me to kind of, I just need a cigarette. No, no, that's all right. Well, we'll just, so I do want to let you go ahead and plug any other things that you might have coming up. Let people know where they can find you. We'll definitely share your information in the description links below, but let, let folks know where they can find you and find your work. Yeah. I mean, I have, um, I haven't, you know, it's again, it's not like I can promote a, uh, I don't have like an artistic page or whatever, but it's cause it's, uh, PDFs and whatnot. I have a IMDB you can look at, I have a, uh, Instagram. I don't really do links. You, you connect with me. You email me. Talk to my manager. 
No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah. Right. Let my manager do it. Okay. No, no, but it's yeah. If um, if you would like to read it, and my Instagram is well, if you you can just yeah, I'll it. share it. Yep, share share all the links you want to share. It's we'll put them in the my, links below. And I um, feel I'm privileged to not have to be totally active on social media. You know yeah. the way that mm-hmm. everyone's got to be kind of. Whereas, right, you know, with poetry, not, you don't really have to do it. Not having know? to sell yourself. Yeah. On on that, I don't have to. I just share it because it's. You know, I don't really do much else, but it's so that's cool. Awesome. Well, we do want to thank you so much for joining us. Really, this has been such a great conversation. Really have enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, would love to have you back to check in on what you're, you know, once you're going into that theater world to have an update. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And um, I would like to. Yeah, I want to hear about the um, you both. Y'all send me just email me some stuff. Sure. Absolutely. You know, would love to. and honestly, if I can ask one thing from y'all, it's been such a pleasure and it's a really nice experience for me. If Shane, this doesn't, I know you've already seen it, but if you would watch Foxcatcher and please let me know what you think. Yeah. So. And Godfather. And you, uh-huh. Oh, Godfather, I'm familiar with. I okay, yes. Godfather, and I guess. Foxcatcher is my God, is my yeah, Godfather. That's, yeah. You know, it's like I my, love it. and then if you want, if you watch it and then someday, if you read Moonwalks, hopefully you can see what I was trying to do there. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. besides that yeah thank you for having me and we'll i'll talk to you soon i guess i don't know how to end I, this. Yeah, no we just we so appreciate <laughs> you coming really no with it yes we'll have our agents call your agent and that and, and we'll all get drinks it'll be great <laughs> thank you is- so much really do appreciate you being here all right thanks girl i'll see you around yeah sounds good hi again friends that was our conversation with Michael Beard. I do hope you enjoyed it. Shane and I really did have a blast talking to him about writing. And do check out the links below if you'd like more information about Michael and what he's working on. If you'd like to support more episodes of the No Small Stories podcast, you can join our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash no small stories. Do follow us on Instagram at no small stories podcast. And like, share, comment, subscribe, leave a review, do all those wonderful things that you viewers and listeners can do. Until next time, thanks so much again for tuning in. And wherever you are out there, friends, we hope you're doing well.